Hi, this is Tamsin Granger. And this is Dan Abuhoff. With Tamsin and Dan read the paper on Tuesday, May 23rd. If you say so. 2023. Okay. I knew what year it was. I just didn't know the date. But yeah, okay, good. May 23rd. Yeah, it's a week before Memorial Day weekend. The summer is about to start. Summer has started, honey. It's uh, We're into it. Coming up to... Uh, Hazi's second birthday. Oh, look, it's a nice time of year because it's cool in the evening and uh, high 70s, 80 during during the... Uh, it's not nice for everybody. I was just uh, reading uh, my magazine, the history, the BBC History magazine. And? And it gives, you know, important dates mm-hmm. of the month yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. May 30th. Yeah. 1431. Yeah. Joan of Arc burned at the stake. Okay. Well, and Not I've, a good day for I've Joan. I lost sight of that. There's yeah. been a lot of water under the bridge since then, but okay. I don't think she was thinking, oh, what a beautiful morning. 1431. Yeah. I guess it's not, a, but this is not a big anniversary event, but okay. 1431. No, no, they're not just picking, you know, big anniversaries. They're, you know. I know. It's a serious magazine. They have all kinds of events. Yeah. Okay. May 1 is it the uh, anniversary of the uh, that first great um, exhibition. The Crystal Palace exhibition in uh, England, fifteen sixty one. You're looking at me. You're giving me this 18, knowing look, like eighteen fifty one. Surely I'm on top of that. The Crystal <laughs> Palace exhibition. No, no, but I mean it's a variety of notable dates. Yeah, all right. But mainly things perhaps that would mean something to the Brits. You no, know, they do things in sports the same way. They have, but they pick a date and they say, "This is the date fourteen years ago." The Mets brought. You know, yeah. like Piazza to the team. Or something. In March, they always say, oh, Ides of March. Yeah. yeah. Same idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, uh, we're a little out of it because we just uh, had an, a trip. We, oh, my God. We, Good. we have an excuse. We do. We went to uh, Raleigh, the Raleigh dorm area. Raleigh, where our daughter Sadie is the now. Research so. triangle. Yes, we were, in the re- <laughs> we were in the research triangle. Uh, what did you think of the research triangle? I thought it was uh, warm. Part of the time. Well, it's very nice. First of all, Sadie's got a very nice apartment, and uh, she lives in a nice enough area in Raleigh. Uh, I, and we got to downtown Raleigh and downtown Durham. And, and I will say this. It, it's all very nice. Uh, but when you say Research Triangle and you think of sort of uh, a booming area, if you will, uh, a hotspot, uh, economic development, a go-go place, I didn't see much of that. And that doesn't oh, mean it's not you know, like that. You're completely out of your mind. Am I? First of all, Sadie's, Sadie's apartment building is brand oh, they're, new. They're building like okay. crazy. They're, they're building, building like across crazy. the street from her, next to her, uh, yeah, all I over the place. I understand. Right? I understand. We saw nothing but kids her age. Uh, yeah, uh, all right. You know, so it's not like we were staying in old country nah, it was fine. It was fine. And everything had columns. Everything's positive, but it's. I sort of had it built up in my mind that it's 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 the new Silicon Valley or something like that. That's the shining city on the hill or something. And it's not that. It's just well, it's an area that's experiencing some economic growth. How's no, that? I think you were. You know, we were in a residential area. We got to downtown Raleigh, honey. We went to downtown Raleigh, like old downtown Raleigh. There's a new downtown Raleigh. No, but I mean, it, it's historical downtown. It's not. It's not where you know. It's it's it, yeah. It's it's not Manhattan. Okay, let me put it to you that way. Manhattan. Now you're talking about real ghost towns. Oh well, I don't, Manhattan. Look, I, the Manhattan don't, don't of my youth. Manha- okay. Manhattan. Look, it's look, uh, we it, did go to downtown Raleigh, and it, actually, it's all good. It's all it, good. It's very. It looked nice. pretty good. It we, looked interesting. We poked it, into some, you know, interesting looking restaurants. Right, but it looks like it's a place that's 
at the beginning of some kind of growth and development, some some new restaurants, some empty storefronts. You know, it's it's a combo. The beginning it's is a key. Hot, I'm not all for the beginning, but I thought the beginning was a few years ago. I thought it would be bursting at the seams. I think these things take time. Okay, I don't. You know, I think we saw a teeny weeny snapshot. Okay, okay. okay. Right. we saw some major um, kind of renovations when we were in Durham. Okay. Yeah. So, but even Durham is, on is, Sunday we went to Durham because Durham, Sadie had gotten Durham us tickets. Durham is very nice to go to. So our her friend Cindy and it was very nice. It showed us you know some really kind of interesting places. They're they're reclaiming the buildings that used to house uh, a lot of the operations for the tobacco works in Durham. Right. Reclaiming. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's all very all interesting. Right. So I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what you. I are just, looking for in terms I of transition. Seems thought, to me some transition has happened. I just thought, and it wasn't. It's not even that I like this, but I just thought the place would be bursting at the seams. Because when you say the research triangle, not enough traffic for you. What are you looking for? Well, I'm not looking for traffic, but I would have expected more traffic. Okay. <laughs> That's all. Say it's not. Uh, you know. I think if you talk to the people who live and drive around there, there's plenty of traffic. I know you're going to say something, but it's not the next San Francisco. How's that? You're going to say who wants to be the next San Francisco? Oh my God! Yeah, exactly. But, but it, it, it's just on a different arc. It's in a different thing. Uh, but it, it's it's very nice. I don't know what nice. you are thinking of. I, I, I don't know what you know. It's okay. Fantasy you have in your mind. It's okay. You've it's been just... two places in your life, Cranberry. And Manhattan. Yeah. Midtown Manhattan. It's neither of those. It's something in between those two. How's that? Fair enough? Yeah. Anyway, we actually, we had a good time. And and we went to a baseball game. We went to a minor league baseball game. Look, Which is always fun. The big sport in town is hockey because they have an NHL team that's been successful called the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, And, uh, or the Canes. Let's call them what they are. The Canes, who are now having a tough time in the Stanley Cup. But uh, they really have a following there. But they don't have a Major League Baseball team or an NFL football team. They, they have as a Minor League Baseball team, uh, which is the famous... Uh, Durham Bulls. Durham Bulls. For, famous because of that movie, Bull Durham. Yes. It's, that's the team. They didn't come up with Bull Durham out of thin air. It's the Durham Bulls. Uh, the mascot is Wool E. Bull. Uh, and uh, you got a T-shirt to, to prove that point. Uh, and we went to the very nice stadium. It's really a, it's much nicer than than average minor league stadium. It's a very nice minor league well, stadium. Well, the thing that you love about minor league games is they're so much more accessible. Yeah, you, you get a good seat. You uh, can get to them. Yeah, you, you can see things pretty clearly, and uh, you get close. It's not terribly expensive. Uh, it's more low-key. It's a lot of uh, kid-friendly stuff. It's a lot of you know, performing. They were celebrating Wooly's birthday. birthday. Wooly Bull's birthday. And all the other mascots, yeah. all, all sorts of mascots from the area yeah. were in attendance. Yes. Oh, yes. There were so, a lot of mascots. So it was much fun. Most of the college mascots were there. The Duke mascot was there. The Wake Forest mascot was there. And uh, they all seem to get along. Uh, I Actually, will say Stormy, the Hurricanes mascot, That's was true there too. as yeah. well. Yeah. So uh, Sadie was excited. Yeah, uh, and people seem very, uh, very good fans. Oh yeah, and people bring their young kids I to the ballpark. Almost every single person in in the stadium, except for us, were wearing some sort of Bullum. Bull Durham. Uh, Bull Durham. Durham. Durham Bull. Bull Durham. Paraphernalia. T-shirt. Yes. Yeah. T-shirt. Well, now you've got your stuff. So the next time you go. You can show up in your Wool E Bowl uh, t-shirt. 
And, and, and we had to invest that's in That's true some, of Hazi, uh, too, by the way. Hazi will have that. Durham Bull sunscreen, actually. Yes, we needed that. It was freezing cold and cloudy. That's a funny weather. Cloudy. It, was, it, was like, it looked like it was going to snow sun, yeah, in the, the morning, and it got hot and uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, so we uh, had a fun time. And, and what's classically true of every time a minor or major league team schedules something called a diamond dash, that's a standard promotion where at the end of the game, the little kids uh, line up uh, and get to run around the bases. Whenever they schedule one of those events, uh, the game goes into extra innings. Uh, because yes, you did. You did actually warn me about I, that and it happened. before. It went and it happened. Into extra so what you have is a hundred kids standing, straining to get out there to run the bases, and they say, "Wait a minute, game's not over. <laughs> we got to play a couple more innings." Which is what uh, they played one more inning here, and the kids got to run around the base. It felt like, you know, we left the stadium; no one was leaving. It felt like at least half the stadium was staying for the Diamond Day. Well, that's brilliant, isn't it? Well, it makes it easier to get out parking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You so. said to me, maybe we should wait a little bit. I said, no, 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 we're going. We're, we're in our own diamond dash. We're, <laughs> we're on the way out. So in any event, uh, we had a good time. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, look, Raleigh's nice, Durham's nice. Uh, it's, it's all good. Uh, but speaking of baseball, and I know you like the, like the new rules that baseball is moving along. But one of the things that everyone finds just a little bit irksome sometime, sometime, is the idea of reviewing umpire calls. Well, some people like it. Some people don't like it. But uh, contrary to— Weren't they doing that during yeah. this game? Well, that's a, you they make a good te- point. You, you thought perhaps they were testing out. Yes. So what you have in the major leagues now is a system where each team is allowed to challenge— uh, a call uh, until they get one wrong, and you know usually they challenge a call like someone sliding in home plate, is he out or is he safe or something like that. What they experimented with at the minor league baseball game is they gave each team a certain amount of challenges of uh, pitches, balls, and strikes, which strikes me as kind of nutty. So now you're going to second guess the umpire several times a game and decide that the pitch that's called the ball was really a strike. I can't see the major league doing that, but. You know, the question is, is it worth investing that time so they, quote, get it right? Is yeah. it important to get it right? And you may be wondering, uh, why? what got the major leagues into this kind of thing? Why did they get into challenges? What was the, uh, you know, what sparked them to sort of take that measure? Because it's not been part of baseball for a long, long time. And here's the answer. I'm giving you the answer. Uh, and it comes up because Don Denkinger passed away. When you say it's not been part of baseball for a long, long time. They've only right? had reviews like that for the last... Oh, for a very long time. Two, yeah, for two or three years. Right. Yeah, so I mean, they played 100 years may, of baseball You made it sound that. like it used to be something no. they used to do and now they're doing no, it. No, no, no. no, no they've no. never done it. Never okay. done it. It's a very recent innovation. Okay. Uh, and who came up with that? Well, it's not It's not a matter of who came up with it, what caused it. What caused it was this. Uh, Don Dengachu, who just passed away, was considered a very, uh, very good umpire. Was the umpire for first base in the 1985 World Series between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Kansas City Royals. And uh, the St. Louis Cardinals were winning the series three games to two. And they were winning game six, which means if they prevailed, they were going to win the series. They were winning one nothing in the ninth inning. And the batter leads off, and he... Uh, he hits a, a, a ground ball, a kind of slow ground ball that the first baseman has to field and flip to the pitcher. You've seen that play a million times covering first base. 
It's a close play at first base, reasonably close play at first base. And the umpire, Denkinger, calls the runner safe. I said reasonably close. Mm-hmm. It was pretty clear to 56,000 people in the stadium, other than Don Denkinger, the runner was out. Uh-huh. And when they showed on replay, he was clearly out. Mm-hmm. But Denkinger called him safe. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City scored two runs and won the game. Mm-hmm. And then won the next game 11 nothing, And they won the World Series instead of St. Louis, who should have won the World Series. And that is why they brought in the rule to review calls. Because <laughs> Denkinger missed that call. Okay. And, you know, no criticism of Denkinger. He said, I made a mistake. You got to move on, you know. Uh, says nobody wants to have that call like I did, but uh, you know, it's part of history. We move on. Uh, it happened, uh, so he dealt with it, but in any event, that's why, yeah. So, uh, there you have it, okay. But go ahead, go on to something more intellectual. I know you've got <laughs> I don't have anything yes. more intellectual, but there was a, a write up about a new book to read, uh, by Anne Barrest called The Postcard. Right. And it sounded pretty interesting. What happens is, uh, actually, Anne Barrest is a French author. And uh, in 2003, an unsigned postcard reached the Barrest family home. On one side was an old picture of the Opera Garnier. On the other side were four names, Ephraim, Emma, Noemi, Jacques, all relatives of and Barrest, all died in Auschwitz in 1942. So the postcard, that's all it said. Those names, no signature, you know, mm-hmm. nothing. And uh, they just sort of, you know, looked at it and forgot about it. And then years later, her daughter came home from school one day and was saying, you know, they don't like uh, Jewish people very much at school. Really? And uh, this in, started Barrest on a, on a whole journey. This in France. In France, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so now she's uh, written this book that uh, is, uh, you know, explores. It's a novel, mm-hmm. but it's based on this postcard and her discoveries uh, solving the mystery of this postcard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she uh, got help on the research from her mother, Lelia Picabia, uh, who uh, had, um, who was, uh, had written a book about um, her uh, grandmother, Gabrielle Buffet Picabia. No, now I'm getting this confused. Um no, uh, Anne and her sister had written this book about uh, their mother's grandmother, their great-grandmother, uh, Picabia, who was married to the French painter, Francis Picabia, cubist, surrealist. You say uh, so. Okay. Anyway, there's a lot of interesting people. It's a little bit complicated. Um, and mother and daughter did some of this research together. But they're researching. It's not like they had any, it's not like her mother had any first person knowledge of the Holocaust itself or the concentration camps. She, uh, she, she no, just researching. No. Um, you know, her mother had uh, done uh, work in the past on it. Oh, um, okay. All right. And so uh, I'm just blanking on. Uh, her exact. Well, it's not. It's not important. I mean, it, it, but anyway, um, 
the great grandmother was was also um, a writer and uh, um, yeah, art but, but, critic, right, etc. Well, so that it's, I mean, it's anyway, it's crammed with kind of interesting people. And but, but here's what I'm getting, and I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm her grandmother's great grandmother is fine. I'm not. I'm not that interested in that. But what, what I'm really getting at is that it sounds like she didn't know too much about the experience know in Auschwitz or the they, concentration you know, camps. They, no, 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 no. They, they didn't. didn't. They didn't. Yeah. Okay. And they, in, in fact, uh, were you know didn't practice Judaism at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Barrest never been to temple, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so this has been a whole reawakening mm-hmm. uh, for her. And uh, also what makes it uh, kind of interesting, uh, an- another aspect of uh, Anne Barrest's kind of, that's interesting is uh, she and, and someone else have a business called Port Plume, and it's a niche press yeah. that specializes in publishing corporate books and ghost-written family biographies. Yeah, that's pretty niche. That is pretty niche. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it sounds uh, it sounds like an interesting story. I think she novelizes it. Um, well, it's called a novel. Yes. So, which surprised me. Look, I read the article in the paper. It makes you want to read the book. Yes. The facts of her life are a jumping off point for this, yeah, yeah. but uh, maybe not enough to uh, uh, be a real... Biography? I, I no. My guess is, look, you're going to read the book. You bought it retail. I saw. So there you go. You have to read <laughs> it. But um, my guess is, because I think what normally goes in situations like this is the outlines of the story is her family's story or facts that she knows. But she's filling in gaps, and what she's right. filling in is probably to some extent imagined, and therefore it has to be considered fictionalized to a degree, and therefore it's a novel. Right. But uh, it sounds very compelling, and it promises at the end. It gets to a point. That she discovers who wrote the postcard. Right. So there you go. You'll have to tell me. Yeah. Or maybe you'll convince me to read the book. I don't know. Well, we'll see if it's a good book. You know, it, it, I, I'm, it's, I'm reading another It's very book. successful, isn't it? I think it's successful in Europe. It, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit of a sensation in Europe. Okay. Well, well we'll see okay. how, how it works in uh, Limeport. All right. Uh, so the basketball playoffs, we watch a little hockey with Sadie. Sadie's a hockey fanatic, although we can't talk about that too much because the Canes are sinking. But, uh, one surprising result is the Miami Heat is going to the finals, or it looks like they are because they're up three games to none over the Boston Celtics, which is an upset. And uh, if they win the fourth game, they're going. Um, and... You look at the Miami Heat roster, and uh, they're not really filled with superstars. They have, uh, you know, several standouts, but not the number of standouts that you would associate with a team that could be a championship team. Um, They don't look like they're talented enough. They don't have enough famous players. And uh, it's it's actually the case. And, And this is bizarre in the NBA standards. It turns out they have a 17-man roster and nine of the players, the majority of their players on their 17-man roster were not drafted. They were free agents. They weren't considered good enough to be drafted. There are two rounds of the draft. There are, you know, 30 teams or whatever. So your top 60 players get drafted and the majority of their roster didn't make that cut. Uh, now, every team has a couple, three players who are not drafted. Uh, and maybe they play a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And it's a big story if one of them becomes a mainstay of the team. This team has has three players who are playing regular minutes, uh, who are you know mainstays of the team, um, and they're they're guys who uh, full name Gabe Vincent, another name Caleb Martin, and another name Struess. I'm forgetting Struess's uh, Max Struess, uh, and they're guys who. You know, played for small college teams. Maybe they got a year in Division One. Then they were in the NBA G League, which is the NBA minor leagues. And then they got to the NBA, and now they're starting. Three of their starters are players like this, and they're going to the championship round. It's unbelievable. So they are the Tampa Bay Rays of the... Oh, very good. Very good. NBA? Yeah, yeah, they are. And they're in Florida. Does anybody go to their games? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, that's look, the difference. I will tell you this. This is kind of takes me a little sad. But all I know about the Miami Heat, I learned from my brother, Michael. Because Michael, whenever I got on the phone with him, would talk all the time about the Miami Heat. Watch the Miami Heat. They're better than you think. And I would go, yeah, 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 yeah. They got nobody on the team. You know, Jimmy So Butler. now you don't have an information source. Well, now I have no one to talk to about it. But, but yes. Well, you have to tell Sean and Ryan to step up. Yeah, yeah. Michael was really annoying. Yeah, so it's just bizarre. I mean... And I told you confidently that they would never get by the Celtics, and it turns out I'm wrong. And I'll tell you again, they're, they're going to lose in the finals to Denver. But uh, maybe I'll be wrong about that, too. Who knows? One can only hope. Yes. We love it when you're wrong. Really? Why? I, I don't know. It, it just, uh, I mean, that does seem to be your main thing really? in sports. You're often wrong. Really? Yes. Thank you. Horse racing, at least. Uh, horse, Speaking I, of which, we completely forgot to watch the Preakness. And we were sitting within uh, an arm's length of the television and, and set. And I always say Preakness is the only one I care about. Well, and you wouldn't yeah. have cared about this Preakness. You know, the horse who won the uh, Derby was in the Preakness, but uh, none of the other horses in the Derby ran in the Preakness. Oh, really? Yeah. That's how meaningless the Preakness seemed. Wow. So talk about lack of triple grant possibilities. All right. So we talked about that uh, Memorial Day, the yeah. official start to summer, yeah. at least in this part of the country, is coming up. And uh, there was an article a week or two ago in the New York Times about flat top grills. Yes. You and I have been back and forth on this for a long because time. You, because you something just else, don't get it. Something okay? else I'm wrong about. Listen, it. <laughs> yeah. We were we were actually in, put, in in California when we were out in, in California visiting yeah. Pepper. Right. One of our errands was you know we did a family trip to the Home Depot. Right. And there was this field mm. of grills yeah. lined up, yeah. ready for purchase. Right. Okay. And they were flat tops. Yeah. Seventy-five percent of the grills out. Right. On display. As opposed to flat tops. Just so we're clear. As opposed to grills where you right. have space between the gratings. These were you just have flat grates. surfaces. Instead of grates, yeah. it's flat. Right. Like when you go in the back of the diner. Yeah. All right. right. And the people are cooking away right. but that's on the, the flat top. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Um, so that is the thing. And I've been thinking about flat, top, flat tops for a while. Yeah. Because uh, several years ago, our outdoor grill went kaput, yeah. and it's built in, so it's going to be a whole headache to replace yeah. it, actually. Yeah. And uh, we did not originally install it, and it's a infrared, which is good for nothing. And it's a huge grill. You know, it just 
burns everything yes. to cinders. Yes. So if you're a big steak eater, maybe it works for you. But, yeah. uh, you know, we've figured out how to deal with and it. It's, it's, but it's not the greatest. So we're dying to get a new grill. Yeah. But So then, you know, all these options appeared to me. And I was really thinking heavily about flat tops. But... I mean, that is also pretty limiting. You, you're not going to be able to really grill. You're yeah, not so, going to get so grill So you just take a surface and stick it on, right? You just take a flat... Well, you could buy yeah, something, right? you know, Throw a it flat on. top insert. Right. All right? Right. And do that. But the problem with that is it doesn't get quite as hot yeah, yeah. as the heat source... Sure. Directly under it's not the as flat close top to the, itself. It's not as close it's to the It's removed. Yeah. It's got another, it's got the grates there, right, right. absorbing some of the heat, So what's the good news? What's the solution? No, there's no solution. No. I, you know, I'm here to tell you. But anyway, the New York Times had a big article about flat tops and the companies who are making them, Blackstone, Weber, yeah, yeah. you know, Next Grill, you know, all these different brands and, uh, and giving some recipes. And, you know, I, you know, I think in the end... We'll solve it. I mean, I've I've trucked out there with I have big cast iron griddles yeah. that I've taken out there. Yeah. Okay. And maybe I'll get something right. to set on top of the grill. Right. First, we have to get a new grill. But uh, you know, I you know I may do that because it is fun. There are things you can do, right. like you know, little things like shrimp and mm. you know, uh, more delicate things, types of fish, etc. And not to mention, you know. Breakfast out on the grill. That's your French dream. The toast, breakfast, yes, yes, pancakes. Yes, the, the, yeah. you know, the romance um, of uh, you know frying the eggs outside. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that sounds like fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we've done lots of crazy things out there. We, we've no. Uh, I, look, the, the challenge is, is this big. We've done built, different kind of flatbreads. You know, it's, it's this big built-in crazy infrared grill, and there was just an article in the journal this week said, you know what, you should get a Weber. And they said nothing's better than grill. a Weber. The normal Weber, you know, the, the round pot thing. They said you get it for two hundred bucks. And they went on and said, you know something? If you just scour around in the neighborhood, you'll find one by a dumpster that you can reclaim. That's probably true. Oh, you certainly can get it on Craigslist for twenty five dollars. Uh, they're comparing it to the egg, the famous eight or nine hundred dollar egg, and they said the Weber is better than the egg. Uh, that's just what they said in the article. So there you but... go. But. There's nothing like being able to walk out, flip the switch. Yeah. Well, there is convenience in that. And have heat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. I get that. But I was comparing to the egg mostly. And the egg I mean, costs 900 In that bucks. respect, I am not a connoisseur. Okay. I, you know, I'm a cheater. All right. So the, uh, let's see. Uh, I'll just say something quickly. You know, we, we talked about this in the past. There was a, a big craze. Esports were the next big thing. There was a professional video game league that was started a year or two ago, and everybody was jumping on that bandwagon. And I remember I was just amazed, saying, "Really, people going to watch uh, video games?" And apparently, the people were crowding into places like Madison Square Garden and staring no, saying, at large no, you're, screens. You're saying to yourself, "People are going to pay to well, watch that too. Video? That too, pay maybe even bet on it." Who knows? But that was going to be the next big thing. It was going to displace live action, live players, because people would just be competing in a sense with these these video avatars. So much so that even James Dolan, the owner of the Nixon Rangers, real teams, invested in this professional video game league. That may have been what tipped it, because once James Dolan makes the investment, you got to hold your breath. And uh, it turns out you know, notwithstanding that everybody was gung-ho, here we are, it's the new thing. 
It's not working out. It's not working out. Uh, it's not as popular as they thought. Live. Yeah. In person. Yeah. The idea of because there's also the idea that you watch it. You watch. I don't know what I don't know anything about that. But the 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 idea of having a league and of people going to Madison Square Garden and watching the competition on the big screen is not working out. Because when push comes to shove. Yeah. Especially that crowd. Yeah. You just want to stay in your PJs and watch it at home. Yeah. Well, uh, PJs are not the big sellers you may think they are, but in any event, yes. Uh, but they just try to explain what's going on. The leagues have struggled to make money. Um, partnerships are falling apart. There are huge operating losses. Uh, the salaries of the esports players don't look good. The esports players are being let go. The stock price in these companies is going down. TSM, one of the most valuable esports organizations, says Saturday it was selling its slot in the league championship series. Here's a quote. It's a big blow to the league akin to a marquee franchise leaving the NBA or the NFL. How do you like that? It's like the Chicago Bears said, you know something? This is not for me. I know you're delighted. I I am. You know why? (laughs) You know why? More than anything else. Because it's one of the many instances where I was right. And I said, no, 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 no. This can't succeed. This doesn't make any sense. Really? Okay. Okay? Just to balance the scale. Somebody said something about me being wrong before. I don't know who that was. Uh, also, here's something that I just didn't know. They, they, in the journal, they write something every week. They ask some novelist uh, to comment on five novels on similar themes to his or her own novel. And what are your favorites in this connection? John Sayles, the famous filmmaker, you know, he wrote mm-hmm. made Madawan and all these other great films, uh, Lone Star, also was a novelist. They recently uh, wrote a book that takes place in uh, the 18th century. So they asked him to talk about five novels, his favorite five novels in the 18th century. And the first one, first of all, it's a wonderful column. He has very compelling quotes from, uh, from books like Tale of Two Cities and Mason and Dixon and Mutiny on the Bounty. But the first one he talks about is Kidnapped by Robert Louis Stevenson. We all have a vague notion of Kidnapped. We watched the, there was a Disney version of Kidnapped. We all get right. this. Here's what I didn't know about Kidnapped. Kidnapped is based on the Jacobite Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? No, I know. I know. All right. So we've been watching Outlander, and it's yeah. all about the Jacobite Rebellion right. and Bonnie, uh, the Bonnie Prince, Bonnie Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Kidnapped's about. Mm-hmm. And a matter of fact, it was one of the first books because it was 20 or 30 years after the so-called uprising in 1745. And it was the first book, apparently, that people were write, were able to write about the Scottish in somewhat sympathetic terms mm-hmm. because it was too raw until mm-hmm. then because it was a very rough rebellion and it was put down. Um, and I just never made that connection. And if you just get on the Internet and talk about... You know, go to Outlander, which is obviously uh, where we got all our information about the Jacobite Rebellion, <laughs> and uh, put in Robert Louis Stevenson. They say, oh, yeah, yeah. Robert Louis Stevenson was writing about the Jacobite Rebellion, uh, obviously long before Outlander, and they were making comparisons between uh, Kidnapped on the one hand and Outlander on the other. I had no idea. I yeah. never heard of the Jacobite So now are you going to read Kidnapped? No. <laughs> it's the least interesting thing about Outlander. <laughs> You know, the outlier is all about sex. You know, that was what that was about. But in any event, no, I was just, I missed that. I can't even remember anything about the Jacobite Rebellion there. Uh, but that's what it's about. Okay, and finally, this. This will appeal to you. Should appeal to you. 
well, it's a sad thing that Robert Lucas passed away as a famous economist. Um, here's what's interesting about Robert Lucas. I mean, he challenged John Maynard Keynes theories. And it's, I guess it's hard to explain in a, an obituary in a newspaper about uh, you know, what his real theory was because it doesn't really come across. But that's not my point here. My point is this. Um, he was married. He, he was at the University of Chicago and he was a professor there. And he, in 1959, he married a woman named Rita Cohen, who was a fellow student at the University of Chicago. Uh, they separated uh, in 1982. They divorced in uh, 1989. Okay. Now, look, there are a lot of reasons why people get divorced. But what's clear about this woman, Rita Cohen, is that even though she was divorcing Robert Lucas, she still believed in him, at least believed he was a great economist. Why do I say that? Because in 1989, when they divorced, she negotiated for a clause in their divorce agreement that if he won the Nobel Prize in the next six years, she would get half the proceeds. <laughs> this is presumably... <laughs> You say this is a positive thing. Like, no, listen. Like she believed she, in him. I'm just saying it the way. We're like, listen, you son of a bitch. Well, listen. If I, you get the Nobel Prize, I want him. I get half right, of it. Now you're right? projecting your own yeah. feelings about your husband. And here's my real. I point. have put up with a lot. Okay. You know, how many times did you say to me, you know, oh, but when I get the Nobel Prize, <laughs> I knew this would be interesting to you. All right. So so listen. Look, the other thing about so it, the, well, so no, no, no. did he get the Nobel I'm, I'm Prize gonna, like seven years later? <laughs> I'm going to tell you this story. Just all hold right. on, hold on. So first of all, you have to understand though, in negotiations, she almost certainly had to give up something else to get this. Yeah. She gave up the right to the house. I don't know what she gave up, but it's a negotiation. She you, you, gave up the best years of her life. <laughs> oh God! All right, I see you're you're getting carried away with her side of it. You're taking Rita's side. You don't know anything about it. Robert Lucas to an economist and an economist. Is that not sacrifice enough? Oh, my God. All right. So here's what happens. She negotiates that if if he gets the Nobel Prize within six years, she gets half the proceeds. Uh, that's 1989. Next year, someone else at the University of Chicago gets it. He doesn't get it. Next year... Someone else at the University of Chicago gets it. He doesn't get it. Four different guys at the University of Chicago get it over the long years. Every okay. year he's saying, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I hope so-and-so gets it. so and so All right. In 1995, two or three weeks before the six years runs out, he gets the Nobel Prize. And she... Go, Rita. <laughs> and she, Yay for Rita. It's $600,000. Uh-huh. All right? And he's and she's entitled to $300,000. And they say he, in the obituary, they say he might have balked, all right? Because he was giving away $300,000. And here's the quote he said. A deal is a deal. She got the whole house. Getting half of the prize for me was better than nothing. All right? So he was not happy about it. No kidding. He would have liked it to come a few weeks later. But they did split it. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. That's uh, talk about. I wonder how they came to agree on six years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Rita did all right. Okay, so uh, that's all we have this week. And uh, we have Memorial Day coming up. 
Gotta get the bathing suit ready. You gotta get it. Uh, gotta, gotta get out the uh, durable sunscreen. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> we fortunately we have some, and uh, gotta prepare for Hansi. That was a little embarrassing at the uh, at the baseball game. What was embarrassing? <laughs> when they uh, did a tribute to the veterans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we stood up. Well, well, they did a muffled thing. It's like, please stand up for the veterans. I've seen that. And they say we went over this with Sadie. They make some announcement. You can't hear the announcements that while well, the kids are going crazy. There's something about veterans. veterans. And usually, when I've been in a stadium like that, right? It's in the seventh inning. Let's all stand up to honor our veterans. And usually, there's a guy really, by home plate, who they're saluting in particular. I've seen this a thousand times. So we're standing up for this, and it turns out, in the following announcement, you're supposed to be standing up if you're a veteran. (laughs) So we're standing up, and everybody's applauding us, right? (laughs) Now, you know... We we did sort of almost immediately notice no one else was standing up. In our area. It's, you know, we're from out of town. I mean, uh, what are you going to do? It's like, it might as well be a foreign language. But uh, yeah, that was a little bit odd. All right. We'll try to uh, pay closer We should attention. get out more. We know yeah, we should what's get going out. on. We, that's our plan. Okay. All right. So All until right. next week. Uh, this is Tamsin Granger. And this is Dan Abuhoff. With Tamsin and Dan, read the paper. We'll see you after Memorial Day. After Memorial Day.